This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey all, this is Eric Christensen from the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. Be sure to check out the website reallifepharmacology.com for a free 30 plus page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Great study guide for anybody uh, looking for help for certification exams, their pharmacology class, uh, just a unique uh, free resource you can get for uh, simply following the the podcast and when we have new uh, episodes available. Uh, So on today's episode, I'm going to cover iron pharmacology, iron supplements, uh, very commonly used in clinical practice And the most common situation is in iron deficiency anemia. So if you remember uh, some of the physiology, iron is an essential component in the production of red blood cell. Red blood cell production is fairly complicated, and obviously there's multiple things uh, that go into that production. I'm not going to cover that on this podcast uh, at this time, but you've got to remember that iron plays a huge, huge role, and if patients are deficient, we can see low hemoglobin and hematocrit readings because of that. And anybody who presents with anemia, uh, they're going to feel fatigued. Uh, tired, weak, uh, maybe pale looking in color. In addition to iron deficiency anemia, I did want to mention restless leg syndrome. So this is definitely a differential. If you've ever got a patient that is taking a dopamine agonist like Requip or Mirapex and they have restless leg syndrome, patients with low iron can also display symptoms of restless leg syndrome. So this is a a really key factor in trying to prevent polypharmacy because if we see that a patient is newly diagnosed with this and, you know, their provider starts them on a dopamine agonist, I would definitely want to make sure that this patient is not iron deficient first. So kind of one other additional um, diagnosis that I I think is important to think about when we are thinking about iron deficiency in general. Let's get into the the drugs a little bit or the specific medications. Um, The big three, uh, I'm going to focus more so on the oral agents here uh, from an ambulatory care type perspective. Uh, The big three are ferrous fumarate, ferrous sulfate, and ferrous gluconate. And those each have varying degrees of elemental iron. So ferrous fumarate has the most, and that's uh, 106 milligrams approximately per 325 milligram tablet. Ferrous sulfate, 65 milligrams of elemental iron per 325 milligrams. And ferrous gluconate, approximately 35 to, to 40 milligrams per 325 milligrams of the uh, tablet. So that elemental iron is usually the the thing that's um, most important. Uh, And then also factor that in with cost. So ferrous fumarate tends to be a little bit more expensive 
And I think clinicians aren't as comfortable with it because they, they don't know about it very well either. So by far the most common supplement that I see used is ferrous sulfate. Um, so in clinical practice, that's the one uh, I see utilized uh, the most there. And typically with elemental iron, the more you give, the more likely you're going to run into uh, adverse effects. So that can be a big um, challenge with iron supplements is the adverse effects. So biggest side effect with iron is um, GI upset. So stomach upset and constipation, uh, those are, are by far uh, the most common adverse effects. Now remember we can uh, in rare situations run into iron uh, toxicity where patients are given way too much iron um, and or in situations of uh, maybe patients intentionally taking too much iron uh, that can be a, a risk and, and cause um, iron overload and potentially cause uh, a toxicity type situation. Um, but again, at, at usual dosing and things of that nature, you know, once a day supplement, you're probably not going to um, run into that situation. So those big side effects, GI, um, constipation, stomach upset, nausea, potentially vomiting. So definitely remember those. A couple other maybe less common, but maybe things that, that patients just mention or, or bring up, uh, they may have an abnormal taste in their mouth, maybe a, a metallic uh, type taste from iron supplements. Uh, also, you may see uh, these drugs cause a, a discoloration of the, the stools, maybe a darker, blacker color of the stool as well. Uh, so that's something that you might want to alert your, your patients to or your patients may come in uh, and, and tell you that. Usually it's not troublesome or problematic, but obviously we need to differentiate whether it's, you know, a, a GI bleed or something else going on versus uh, you think it's from the medication. So looking at that timing of the medication and is it the actual med causing it or is something else going on. But definitely that, that can um, happen, that kind of discoloration uh, of the, the stools a little bit. Patients with anemia, getting into this a, a little bit further, uh, some common patients that I see on iron supplementations are those with chronic GI blood loss where we need to kind of continuously uh, produce red blood cells. So um, maybe somebody with a, a kind of a chronic GI bleed and slow blood loss in the gut. Uh, females may have particular tr trouble uh, childbearing age with menses and blood loss that way. Um, so oftentimes those patients may be on um, more chronic type iron therapy uh, post-op. So we may have some blood loss uh, following a, a procedure, an operation, and you may see iron used in that setting um, to help uh, kind of stimulate that red, red blood cell production, or excuse me, make sure there's enough iron around uh, to help with that red blood cell production. There are a couple other administrative uh, dosing and um, dosage forms pearls that I, I did want to cover. So there is a polysaccharide iron complex, and this is typically represented in the milligram you see on that dose of iron. 
is going to be the elemental iron. And uh, with that medication, the, the hope is that the iron is better absorbed uh, with using that. So a situation I've seen this used is where patients are having difficulty um, absorbing, getting enough iron from using oral supplementation, uh, let's say with ferrous sulfate or ferrous gluconate. Uh, we may try the polysaccharide iron complex uh, to get a little bit better absorption and get those iron stores up. And we usually measure those iron stores uh, with ferritin. That's often a, a common lab uh, that we look at to, to monitor. And, and you can do total iron and, and um, uh, other labs as well, but ferritin's one that uh, we commonly follow there. Uh, administration pearls that I wanted to mention. Um, because of that stomach upset, you can give iron with food. Keep in mind it can potentially alter absorption a little bit where it may have less absorption uh, if we do give it with a significant amount of food. But if the patient can't tolerate it, um, you know, we may have not other great options. Uh, also with the uh, administration of other things with iron, you will see on occasion patients who are having trouble absorbing iron and getting their levels back up. Some clinicians will try it with uh, vitamin C, ascorbic acid. And the reason they're trying that is because an acidic environment helps iron be absorbed better. And I'll talk about this a little bit more when I talk about um, drug interactions as well, which I'm going to cover um, right after we get a, a quick break from our, our sponsor here. So if you're a pharmacist, a healthcare pr professional, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Oh, we've got books, we've got uh, study materials for geriatric exam, pharmacotherapy exam, ambulatory care exam, as well as NAPLEX content as well for those students looking to uh, go from student to pharmacist. So meded101.com slash store, plenty of resources there that will really help you be a better clinician in general. Go check that out. Now let's finish up on drug interactions. So I mentioned that acidity of the stomach helping with absorption of iron. So with that, I've, you've got to think about medications that could potentially reduce that acidity and may impair absorption of iron. So when we try to eliminate stomach acid, try to reduce stomach acid, we're going to use drugs like PPIs, H2 blockers, and antacids. So if we're using a product like Tums, if we're using Omeprazole, if we're using uh, Zantac or Ranitidine, you've got to remember that when we reduce the acid in the stomach, that can be very beneficial for helping manage, treat, prevent ulcers. It can be helpful for things like heartburn and GERD, but it can come at a cost of impairing the absorption of iron. So very, very important to remember that, especially if you have a patient not responding. Maybe their ferritin levels are not rising, even though you are supplementing with iron. You've got to remember that if a patient is on antacid-type medications or acid-blocking medications, this can impair that absorption. Now, iron itself can cause a little bit of trouble. 
uh, antibiotics. So I, I've covered uh, quinolone antibiotics. I've covered tetracyclines, I believe, as well. Go check out those podcasts. But iron can block the absorption of these drugs. So when we're treating an infection, let's say you've got a pneumonia-type situation and maybe a patient's on doxycycline, if we co-administer iron with that doxycycline, we are close to that, close to the same time, we run the risk of blocking the absorption of that doxycycline. So that's a, a big problem, and it could potentially lead to treatment failure. Same thing with quinolone antibiotics as well. So very important to remember uh, those drug interactions with iron. So by far the most common interaction that iron is going to impact other drugs is that binding type interaction like I just mentioned with the antibiotics. So another one here is levothyroxine. So if I see a patient that's um, previously been stable, you know maybe nothing else has really changed, but I see that they're on an iron supplement, maybe once a day, twice a day, I'm going to definitely investigate that and see if maybe they've been thrown into a hypothyroid state because iron is blocking the absorption of that levothyroxine. So very, very important to look at the timing of iron in relation to other medications that it potentially could bind up and block the absorption. Okay, so very, very important to check that. And that's, like I said, by far the most common type of drug interaction you're going to to see with iron that's going to wrap it up for today uh, please leave us a rating and review on on itunes or spotify or wherever you're listening greatly greatly appreciated um, helps us uh, grow the podcast and it helps us reach uh, more people which is ultimately what i'm trying to do uh, help out our fellow uh, healthcare professionals and and uh, healthcare students as well uh, just be better at pharmacology and pick up some common clinical practice pearls so reallifepharmacology.com i've got that free giveaway 31 page pdf of the top 200 drugs go check that out and i am going to sign off for today this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.